yard touchdown, running in the first place for number one. Harris drops back, fades to the left, pressure on, and he goes down. Ja'Garrett Davis gets home, and the all-black sideline explodes here in Hamilton. Toward the five, it went through Marcus Dale's hands, and Kyron Moore, the presence of mind to catch it and step out of bounds at the five with 20 seconds to go. Pressure loads it up, goes down the field, taking a shot into the end zone. He caught it. Touchdown, Tigertown. Brandon Banks, how did he do it? Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Breakdown here on Canadian Football Perspective. Thank you for being with us, as always. DT got a very nice message from uh, Miker, Miker on Instagram this past week. I want to read it to you here because we posted the graphic from last week's show uh, of our very favorite uh, five, I guess, storylines going into the offseason is what we did last week, and Miker commented mm-hmm. on it. I love that the quote-unquote boring stats and numbers show has the most amped up intro. You can update it. <laughs> he said, you can update it if you'd like, but just please don't get away and take away from that feeling we get from listening to it. Is it June yet? So uh, thank you to Micah for that. Yeah, I mean, for anybody who has actually taken the time to listen to this show, I think you realize that we enjoy the numbers stuff. It's great. It helps support arguments and have what we believe to be a slightly smarter discussion, hopefully for you, the fans. It certainly helps us do our jobs better, which is kind of why we do all of this stuff. Uh, but yeah, we like football. So it's going to sound like that. <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not just two guys that are uh, sitting around here going, well, you know, I, I don't really enjoy the game, but I'd like to nitpick it as much as humanly possible. <laughs> 85% of people know that numbers just make football better. But uh, no, I mean, this is all an expression of our love, right? This is our, yeah. our love language is, is the numbers, but man, uh, when we're talking uh, about today's topic, you're going to, you're going to hear, Oh, Oh yeah. You're going to, you're going to see it coming up. If you're watching the video, see it coming up for my craw going, Oh yeah. I cannot wait for this cat <laughs> in 2022. Uh, and it's coming up from the ground through your toes into your spine and straight out into that wonderful if you're watching on youtube grizzly gray beard coming in on dt uh it looks beautiful are you trying are you growing something in here what's happening no it's just today's the the last day before we go on a little vacation so tonight clean and then uh we'll see what happens over vacation time uh do you want to tell people where you're going in case they want to send you travel uh, tips or little hit tidbits here and there um yeah uh, no no, okay. We'll, yeah, we'll, DT, we'll talk more when we get back. I was going to say, DT's going to disappear. Uh, and then uh, maybe if he has stories when he comes back, we will talk about that. But we want to remind you, as always, that we are brought to you by our good friends over at Fox 40. And of course, uh, we look forward to being with them throughout the CFL seasons. We want to make sure uh, that you got everything that you need out of your Fox 40 experience. Make sure that you are using the promo code CFP15 to get yourself set for the season, whether it's whistles, coaching boards, and much, much more. They've got it for you. Again, go to fox40shop.com. Promo code CFP15 is where you can find everything that you need and save a little bit of cash. Uh, we are going to, this week, be talking about breakout players. And these all of these little mini games that we do here on The Breakdown are just... DT comes up with a cool idea. I have something that I'm wondering about, and I just shoot him a text to peel back the curtain and say, hey, breakout players. And we don't actually have any criteria for what the hell that means. We go our separate ways. We live our lives. We do our work. And then we show up here on the Zoom. And for 30 seconds before we start, we're like, hey, what are the rules? We're like, I don't know. Just what do you want to do? Uh, And so this week, when I said breakout players, 
I sent it to Derek and the way that I was thinking of this was somebody that you think will gain some value that will be more of a household name that will uh, stand out to you and impress you by a month in two months in you'll go wow they've taken the next step they've become a player of more prominence prominence in the Canadian uh, football league and this is always dangerous because we can project we can look at situations we can, I mean we did this with, with Edmonton last year I did this with Herjim Ayala going into last year with Calgary where I'm like hey, he's gonna blow the doors off everybody I can't wait to see him didn't didn't happen because obviously Bo went down maybe a chemistry thing maybe he wasn't in, in the right spot. I could have done this with Shy Ross in Edmonton last year as well, but then that, that you did that, it with Daniel Peterman. I did. Yes. And I know what's funny, Daniel Peterman in Ottawa. So he, he had a very productive, but not very much usage rate. If you want to call it that season in Winnipeg. And then he signed in Ottawa and I'm like, well, my God, I mean, they might not be a great team, but I got to imagine he's going to get some looks. Well, sure enough, I put together the same look this off season. Daniel Peterman is low usage, high production, and now yep. he signs in free agency in BC. I was so tempted to go, man. I think in BC he's got to be the he's got to get some work. He's got to get. And I was like, wait, no, I'm not going to just play the classics. I'm not going to talk about guys that I went to school with. I'm not going to. So I decided to hold him out. Uh, I, I, it's funny too because <laughs> the, the day that we are recording this. Wayne Moore, who was a running back for me at McMaster, comes out of retirement signs yep. with the BC Lions. And I remember there was a point where you and I were thinking this offseason, a lot of people around the league were, well, they're Canadian at quarterback. They might be leaning quarter uh, Canadian at running back as well. Maybe if they get Sean Thomas Erlington in free agency, then BC can build out all the – well, that that doesn't really happen. Like, they don't end up deciding to lean that way. But, yeah, the, there's some – some names that always jump out to me here in the offseason, and, and honestly, many of them are typically Canadian because I'm looking a lot at free agency of this, uh, that just make me wonder, could this person jump forward and mm. be, be a name that means more to us going down through the line? Yeah, so I put together my list. We wanted five, so I, mm. I ended up I whittled my list down to five. Uh, I had ten names in total, and, and one of them uh, actually – because you mentioned BC, uh, I, I had Tim Bonner on my list as a guy who undersized playing a defensive tackle spot. But then they went and signed Stephen Richardson and gave Woody Barron all of the money and then all of somebody else's money as well. So I don't think Tim Bonner is ultimately going to make my list. Uh, I had a Canadian receiver. I had an offensive lineman. I had a couple of defensive tackles who were both going to, I think, wreck the uh, Banjo Bowl Labor Day matchups. Uh, but uh, ultimately was able to whittle it down to five, including one player, Marshall, who is not currently in the league. Oh, wow. Okay. So oh, this, teasing it, it up. Yeah. So tease that. And also I said to DT, you know, it's tough not to just go offensive skill guys for me in this. Now it does open itself up to who's going to be a defensive back that really jumps out for you. Like Brandon Dandridge, we never could have seen that coming. You talked last week about the boundary defensive backs. Uh, in Demetrius Nichols and uh, DeAndre Alford over in Winnipeg. And um, the fact that we were all like, oh, I don't know, that seems like an area of concern. And then you look back on it, you're like, oh, my God, like how would we have never known that that was going to come? And that's yeah. that's the fun of this is that there are so many things that even guys like us who study the league and the players and take a look at, at projections throughout the offseason and how a roster is coming together, we don't know until the season actually hits. But we love being surprised. Like that, it's one of the best things where – 
we're on here doing the breakdown in week three. And we're going, is Ottawa for real? Like, is this a flash in the yeah. pan or they have actually rebuilt this thing in a way that's meaningful because God, the way they played against Winnipeg in week one and then blah, blah, who knows. Right. And so that's, uh, that's part of the fun for us, but let's get into our projections. Uh, you have been a, as always the voice of reason on this show and on every show that you are on, I want you to start with one of your defenders because you've got a couple of defenders on here and I don't just want to give love to the offensive guys. Yeah, it's easy to pick the offensive guys, right? Because you look at a guy who always oh, got 21 targets and 17 catches, and we look at that yak total and blah, blah, blah. But I really wanted to look into some other ones. Um, the first one, and I, I just kind of went one to five with my list. So number one on my list uh, is a guy who I was alerted to last season. I was talking to uh, a former writers coach last season, and he said, that, that guy's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem. I said, oh, really? I have no idea who he is. Like, oh, no, he's going to be a problem. And, and he was, but it wasn't – his team wasn't particularly good. It's BC defensive end, Boom Guacho. Oh, wow. Uh, he, he has the Willie kind of body, the Willie Jefferson kind of body. And when I think of 41 quarterback pressures, uh, when I talk to guys in the league, you know, talk to defensive ends in the league, they'll say, well, if I don't get a sack, it doesn't count as a good play. And I don't buy that. Quarterback pressure and relentless quarterback pressure, it affects quarterbacks. And you can talk about that from, from even your career. Yep. It affects quarterbacks badly. It, it ruins some quarterbacks. Boom Guachum, 41 quarterback pressures, was fifth in the league, and they didn't get the playoff run to add even more into that. Uh, that's a team, I mean, he's got this big, long, strong body, and he's fast and he's quick, and he's got these, he can do this, I don't even know what you call it, but you you shoulder fake a guy outside and you take two big, long Euro step strides to the inside, like Luka Doncic going in for a layup. And all of a sudden you're at the quarterback. Like, God, there just aren't other guys. There aren't many other guys that can do this. So I look at boom just on his own, but then take that team. And I assume they're going Canadian at the other defensive end, but now Steven Richardson in the middle and Woody Barron and Tim Bonner and, They'll, they'll go All-American up front with the way it's laid out with the BC Lions. Boom Guachum is going to get double-digit sacks this season. He is going to wreck teams. It's going to be a, a problem with it. And uh, that is my number one guy who we will recognize. Plus, Marsh, uh, when, you're, when your name is Boom, oh. that just, that's going to play for everybody on TV and on radio. Yep, absolutely. I the thing I uh, I'm intrigued about him is that Jamal Davis got released for NFL opportunities from the Montreal Alouettes, and he was the same body type. Like we started to see this AC Leonard style, Willie Jefferson body type. Jamal Day. Everybody's looking for the length, the six five, the knockdown king who can get after it and has that maneuverability and uh, athleticism at that size and that reach and and. I mean, he's very much in BC and very much motivated to be in BC from the things that I have heard about Boom. So yeah, if you're looking for not just a player that's ready to take another step, but also somebody who the ingredients are right in the equation for him to be there, it feels like playing in that defense that he knows and being surrounded by those players. A quick little side note on this I wanted to ask you, because mm -hmm. I considered putting Steven Richardson in, in terms of pure numbers, but then I struggled with the idea of why would he have more production in BC than he would in Winnipeg when they've got Jeff Code and Jefferson over there? What do you think actually, and, and you know, this isn't necessarily as a breakup player, but what do you think happens to Stephen Richardson's actual numbers in BC? 
That's a great question. I honestly think they probably go down. I think they're probably supported a bit by those tremendous defensive ends. And I think those defensive ends reaped a lot of benefits from, uh, from Richardson. I, I honestly, I, I assume that they go down. I would have to go back and just see uh, BC. If they're bringing Luches Purifoy back in, maybe he's the Sam linebacker and there's some blitzing from that side. Okay. Well, Lacombo and Jordan Williams will be the cleanup guys. Uh, I feel like, I feel like they're going to be, I think it's, I think it's the ends. I think they go down slightly just because that Winnipeg defense was so good, but uh, yeah, just strictly a guess off the top of my head. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to project him going down when you know that they didn't sign him and bring him in to pair him with Woody Barron for him to eat double teams. Like that's not the goal when you, you sign Steve Richardson. So I'm with you. It's, that's a, that's a funny one that we'll have to kind of bookmark and look back on. I think as we get kind of the halfway mark of the season, go, okay, well, what's actually happening to him there? How is he being used and what is he doing in that team's uh, scheme? But uh, my first one for you here is uh, shocker. I'm going to go receiver. Uh, because I always love projecting the guys because there's so many receivers in this league. And uh, some of them that I've looked at in the last couple of years have been Canadian, but I've got two American receivers on my list. And the first is Tim White in Hamilton. Uh, Oh, okay. And the reason for this is that he, I believe, essentially made Brandon Banks expendable. Uh, At that point, once they started to see Tim White running freely, he's a triple jump guy. He's got the long strides. He's got the long speed he's got a bounce to his game he really started to come into his own with uh, I think the partnership of him and Dane Evans which likely the whole idea of okay Masoli's leaving who are we going to have that works really well with Dane Evans it's not as though Jalen Ackland didn't work with Dane Evans they certainly had some chemistry but I think the best duo of chemistry was Dane Evans and Tim White when Evans was in um, throughout much of this season and it, when I put together the look at the best receiver duos, each team's top two receivers together, uh, I was kind of amazed by the idea that it wasn't Brandon Banks that was leading the way in Hamilton. It it was not, uh, you know, obviously Brandon Addison was dinged up. It was Acklin and Tim White, but Tim White was the heavy lifter in, in that pairing for Hamilton. And they were an average uh, production grade t- tandem and basically mm. as a tandem they were slightly below league average when it came to workload between the two of them so they weren't blowing you out of the water like Burnham and Whitehead or Lawler and Bailey in Winnipeg or um, I mean even RJ Harris and and Ryan Davis had more workload but that was just because Ottawa was like I don't know let's just chuck it to those two guys because we'll see what happens last year um, but I, I think that Tim White is is in for a really good year I think Tommy Condell is going to build some stuff around him and I just I like talking to him when I was prepping for games this past year. I thought that he was a really inquisitive mind about how the Canadian football league is structured and the way the game is played and learning to use certain aspects of it in his route running. It felt like he didn't really know the league, but he was, I don't want to say excelling, but he, he, man, he showed some flashes that just made me think full season chemistry, same quarterback for let's hope 80% plus of the games in Hamilton. I think Tim White's a guy that by the end of the year, people are going to say top 10, top 15 max receiver in the CFL. Oh, yeah, I like that a lot. There's no team that likes to run through its wide receivers and slot backs more than Hamilton, right? And now if Addison is healthy, well, you've got both Addison and White. Here's 
We'll line these two guys up to the field. Oh, mm. oh, one's coming into the backfield. One's lining up as a running back because we're just going to screw with you endlessly. I love that Hamilton. I love that Tommy Condell does that. White's absolutely the guy that can do that. Uh, 67 catches on 88 targets, including the Grey Cup. Only a couple of touchdowns. It, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we're having this conversation in uh, October and going, ah, you know who's the MOP? It's Hamilton receiver blank, wow. right? It's it just it's potentially that level. Just the the amount of things that those two guys can do, and and White for being in his first year in the league. I, I'm I'm with you. That guy. I mean, he he what just under 900 yards, including the playoffs last year. Turn that into 12 and 13. If there's more red zone action for him, I like I like the thought of Tim White in 2022 as well. The thing that uh, sticks out in my mind more than anything else, I think, is the touchdown on Labor Day where he breaks skinny post. I don't remember if he straightened up or if he just beat his man across the field and whatnot, but catches it. And he is so anybody who saw him in person last year in Hamilton knows what I'm talking about. He is so light on his feet and he actually I forget who it was that we were talking with about it. But leading up to the B.C. Hamilton game, I think in week 14 of this past year. We were asking about Tim White, and I think it was Masoli. Masoli goes, yeah, we Tim's funny, man. Tim's a funny player. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, we all make fun of him because he walks around the locker room with his heels off the ground. Like, his heels never touch the earth because he's just he, – he is such a calf-dominant player. Even though he's got these skinny little legs, he's got so yeah. much spring to him that he's just bouncing around the locker room and bouncing on the practice field and jumping over bags at practice. And, uh, and when he caught that touchdown on Labor Day and high-stepped it into the end zone, the speed with which he was running never changed when he started high-stepping because that's just his natural bounce that he has. <laughs> and I, to me, that image just jumps out into my mind. So, yeah, I, I wanted to give him some love here. But who do you got next? Um, I'm going to go to, there's a couple of guys on my list and it's because I, I saw them, uh, the riders played the Elks in back-to-back games last season. And you got to see these guys and it was, it was the first time I'd seen them in person and man, uh, did they pop. So I'm going to go to the running back, uh, Elks running back, Walter Fletcher, hmm. James Wilder's the number one back going into camp. There's, there's no question about that. Wilder can be a real weapon. Walter Fletcher is this small body guy with real pop and real zip. Uh, he probably goes, I'd have to pull it up to be exactly sure, but I'm guessing Walter Fletcher goes sub under five foot 10 and maybe around 200 pounds, but man, he, he zips through holes five, nine, one ninety one for Walter Fletcher. Uh, he just absolutely zips uh, 89 carries for about 600 yards. Hardy just over 600 yards uh, is kind of a, a target for him when I think of him. Uh, part of it is because Walter really, really popped and showed that juice that I like. But another part of that is Stephen McAdoo's the offensive coordinator in Edmonton this season. And when McAdoo was in Saskatchewan, sure, there was the lead back, but there was always Marcus Thigpen. Mm. And Thigpen was in 2018 and 19, 90 carries for 600 yards. Yep. 45, 50 carries for Walter Fletcher, even in a backup role. McAdoo's always got time for that change of pace back. It's not going great for James Wilder on the first two drives. Ah, here's some Walter Fletcher. Oh, he popped one for 60 yards. Okay, let's roll with that for a second. Um, he was hampered by, in Edmonton, as Wilder was, yards before contact. He got 1.6 yards before contact 
which was not a great number, but still turned it into a pretty decent performance. Walter Fletcher, as much as I'm the anti-running back guy, we're going to get to know Walter Fletcher this season. Not in a huge, Maybe not in a huge role, not going to lead the league in rushing, but he's going to be that change of pace guy under Stephen McAdoo. That, that is going to pop, I think, for the Elks. And they're not going to be afraid to run James Wilder Jr. a ton. So people might, as you're saying, go, uh, he's not going to be the main guy. We might not get to see a whole lot of his touches. But as a general rule, I don't care how big your biceps are, James, sorry, that if you run a running back that much at some point, they're going to need a spell. Like, you cannot run the foot. And Steve McAdoo loves to run the football. They're going to be physical up front. And so, yeah, I'm with you. I like that one because, as we said off the top here in the CFL, expect the unexpected. And if you're looking at Edmonton and you're just assuming, well, James Wilder Jr. is going to have 90% of the touches, I'm here to tell you he's he's not. At some point, he's going to need a little bit of love from a backup. And, I mean, even a great example of that's William Stanback this past year where Canadian Jezrin Antwi ends up coming in and essentially having the same amount of productivity to DT's point about running backs of like swap them in, swap them out. Uh, and yeah, I love the idea of, of Fletcher, who I bet you there are a lot of people listening to this, who even if you're a diehard CFL fan, which you probably are because you're listening to this, that you are saying to yourself, yeah, you know, I think I've seen that Fletcher, like the name sounds familiar, but I don't really know anything. Great pick. Yeah. Because that's exactly the criteria we're looking at is I think that guy's in the league. And then the next year you're going, oh, I know who that like, for example, I would say Kadeem Carey is someone where, oh, yeah, he's I think I've seen him in Calgary. And then in 2021, you're like, oh, wow, he's one of the best in the in the league at that position doing yeah. that. So we'll see whether or not Fletcher can get to that point. I'm going to actually stick in Edmonton with my next one and go off the board away from offensive skill position players. Oh, are you are you going to take mine? Oh, boy, my next guy's on the Elks, too. <laughs> Uh, offensive lineman going yeah, no. going home, Mark Cordy uh, is where I'm going to go with this one. And I get it. There's this sentimental nature to having his parents being in videos, promoting season tickets, and it's where they had their first date and all of these things. But I am a big believer in the full circle, big picture vibe that being an offensive lineman that's destined to play for a certain team gives you. You've seen it, Saskatchewan. We know what happened for a long time uh, out in Winnipeg with uh, with old Big Bluto there, Chris Walby. There's just mm-hmm. this, this, this marriage in the Canadian Football League of when a guy is supposed to play for a team, he just kind of makes his way there. And for me, going through the draft and watching Mark Cordy and seeing him play with the University of Alberta Golden Bears, I thought, yeah, I mean, he could be a really nice piece somewhere else for a while. But then you see this, as we were just talking about, which is why I wanted to put him here. Steve McAdoo is going to run the football. They're going to want to be physical up front. Chris Jones obviously loves the idea of a guy like Mark Cordy. He's an offensive lineman, that the rare one, that you can actually sell some tickets around because of the homegrown nature and having pride in the brand that Victor has put back into that franchise now is they're the Elks and let's put the new logo on the helmet and let's use this guy as, as this shining symbol of excellence for our football program as we are reborn into what we want to become in the, in the future. All of those things to me scream a lot of marketing, a lot of prowess, but I've also watched Mark Cordy on game film. And I'm here to tell you, mm. Drew Desjardins just signed with the New England Patriots. I don't think Mark Cordy is much different than Drew Desjardins. Like I've watched Drew Desjardins from the end cut. I've seen him live. I've watched back the, I haven't graded him out like a pro football focus type thing necessarily, 
but I like Mark Cordy a lot. I think he's got such a natural, wonderful skill set. And I think it fits perfectly what Edmonton wants to do moving forward. So again, this is not one of those things that you're going to be watching a game and you know, you're there with your, your wife or your kids or tapping them on the shoulder. Oh my God, you see that block by Mark Cordy. It's not going to be something you appreciate. That's not how football works, but I'm saying people that know around the league, I think will see him on game film this year and go, man, that guy is, he's becoming one of the best in our league. Cordy is, uh, you remember Spencer Wilson? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and folks listening may well remember uh, Spencer Wilson. Send out the voicemail. That was bizarre. Hopefully I'm back. Uh, Spencer Wilson in Calgary played every position on the offensive line. I just pulled up Mark Cordy. Yeah. 20 starts at left tackle, five at left guard, 10 at center was his past season, one at right guard, one at right tackle in his career. That's all five positions. Edmonton probably said at left tackle because they went they went and traded for Tony Washington. But where do you want him? Yeah. Where do you want him to be? Where do you want him to play? Where do you want him to be, do- be dominant? Oh, somebody gets hurt? No, it doesn't matter. We've got Mark. Mark will cover it. Tony's down. Mark's at left tackle. We're good. Uh, he uh, He's that kind of guy that can, at, at an elite level, take care of whatever you need. So I, I, I like the thought of that. And, it, I mean, Fred and Labatt, right? What goes from Winnipeg to Saskatchewan. Um, uh, guys just find, you know, just just want to be where where they're from. And that's, uh, I think it's a tremendous story. And yeah, Victor Quay and the gang in Edmonton should should capitalize on this. Because frankly, uh, according to Dunk, they paid him 205. So you better <laughs> squeeze every drop of value out oh. of him the, uh, for the coming season. Absolutely. I don't know what odds you can get on this uh, or if they exist because it's extremely niche. But I would very much be taking the over if it was set at... 0.5 on touchdown passes caught by Mark Cordy <laughs> in, Edmond, in Edmonton this year. And I don't know if that's a directive that comes down from the top, from the business side, and they tap Chris Jones on the shoulder. Victor says, hey, get him a touchdown. Let's get him a touchdown at home. Let's see if we can do Ooh. that. Like Labor Day rematch maybe where you you get a little slip to the flats or he's playing tight end, little block down chip and release or something of that nature. I just, yeah, I, I would take – him catching a touchdown this season because they're going to want to do something special now that he's uh, he's back home. So, uh, yeah, lock that lock that one down if you can while the odds are still good. I'll pass that along to my prop master buddy Aaron Karolnik. Anytime touchdown score, Mark Cordy. Uh, when it comes to the uh, Labor Day game, I guess my my one question for for Cordy when it comes to Edmonton and trying to decipher what's what's who's responsible for what. Uh, among centers, he allowed, gosh, pressures per game. It was very, it was really quite high. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious to see how much of that was. Ottawa was a disaster, just yeah. a disaster all the way through. So, um, yeah, anyone, it's that's the one thing. Not a, not a huge number of times where he gets beaten straight up for a sack. So that's, that's encouraging. But for an interior player, allowing you know, almost two pressures a game, according to my numbers, ends up being quite a bit. So. We'll see what it looks like in Edmonton and uh, how much they can. Yeah. I mean, David Beard at center, where, where does Cordy fit in? I, I haven't seen where Cordy fits in exactly. So I'm, I'm curious to see what Edmonton and McAdoo decide to do with them. In a season of attrition, uh, the thing that jumped out to me that I, it really convinced me about who Mark is as a, as a player and as a person as well. And sometimes you get coach speak on these things, but in an interview that was not recorded, it was our day before zoom 
call week four BC Ottawa last season. I asked Paul Lapalise to explain Mark Cordy playing center in one word. And I thought he was going to go with a football term, you know, powerful or, uh, you know, stouter. He said leader. And the reason that he said leader, and yeah, typically the center is the guy who's kind of running the huddle and, you know, he raises his fist and calls for everybody to circle around him and all that. But he said leader because it's not what he's comfortable with. It's not what he wants to be doing. Mm. But he was put in that position because Fontana decided to sit out the year. And uh, I'm trying to remember who else they had. that I think they tried to play in that center spot. I think there was one other that got injured relatively early on. And they just, they basically took Courtney and said, listen, man, you're our best. We want you in the middle. We want you to become kind of the heart and soul of this thing. And they used a billion different offensive line combinations. So you got to factor in who he was playing with at his guard spots, communication, being able to deal with internal twists, middle linebackers blitzing and looping around. There's a lot of bullets that, that get flying when you're in that spot. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of it was against him. But Lapolis just said he's a leader. He's watching as much film as anybody. I walk past, you crack open the door. He's always in there trying to figure it out. So, yeah, if he finds a spot that he feels comfortable, that, that guy's going to be a perennial CFL all-star for a decade in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Pickett got the other four starts at center for the Red Blacks and uh, 13 different offensive line combinations in a 14-game season was how the year went for the Ottawa Red Blacks. 13 different combos is, is a huge number. I got oh a feeling. Boy. I got a feeling they won't have uh, a quarter of that this year. If you were to ask me, I think that they would. They would have maybe three. You know, barring injuries, obviously. I, I yeah. think. I think they'd like to to get a set group of five in Ottawa. And and, and it's funny too because if Cordy would have stayed in Ottawa, I we'd be looking at that group as suddenly one of the more talented. Maybe like between Ucomber Williams being in there and pairing up alongside some of the the others that they dabbled into, uh, but he decided to leave. And it's obvious because the money and the fit and the family and the, all the things that have, we've already talked about, but uh, all right, that's too many, too much offensive line talk. Jeez. I mean, I'm just waxing poetic <laughs> about lineman play here, but I know that'll make wall be happy if he gets a chance to listen. So there you uh, go. Uh, right. What do you got for your next one? All right. I had an Edmonton guy, but I'm going to hold that. Cause we've had a lot of Edmonton yeah. talk right now. Uh, this is something which will strike close to your heart. Uh, as you are recording about to see the combine. Uh, my, my third player who is going to absolutely explode this season is whichever Phil Pot gets drafted by the Ottawa Red Blacks. I almost did I this. I was so close yeah, I, to doing this exact same one where I was just going to put Phil Pot. Yeah, whichever, but whichever one goes to the Red Blacks, right? If one goes to the BC Lions at number three, but it's whichever one, and I assume it's Chalen, but uh, I mean, you'll, you can describe you sports football better than I can. Whatever Philpot goes to the Ottawa Red Blacks is going to have opportunities. When you look at that receiving court, Darvin Adams, Jalen Acklin, uh, uh, RJ Harris is back, BJ Cunningham. They, they, they're set at American and they have coverage among their Americans for injuries. Uh, Shaq Johnson hasn't been, I, I haven't liked him as much as I liked him, I think probably three years ago when they let him slide inside a little more. Mm-hmm. But you you plop Phil Pot in there at the Z, you move him inside in a little two by two, or you let him be the the, the receiver, but move him down toward the the ball in the two by two and let him go. I've seen highlights, and I don't know why uh, the Phil Pot in in Ottawa with uh, Jer- Jeremiah Masoli couldn't do a Key and Schaefer Baker plus twenty percent more mm. in this coming season. 
that kind of talent and that offense will be ready to to take advantage of an explosive athlete, an explosive uh, Canadian athlete as well. Yeah, I'm. I have no rebuttal. I am on board with every ounce of that. I, all the reasoning that you give, the fit, uh, the explosion. I guess my only question would be, as someone who is sitting in a hotel room right now, recording in front of this, the CFL Combine here, uh, how much of a lock do we think it is that it is BC Ottawa? Because the BC nature of this is BC takes one of those two brothers from the University of Calgary. Uh, they're both sensational. If they do they've got one half of the equation. Mm. Then the question becomes, can Ottawa <laughs> trust that they're going to get, and this is always a difficult equation because there's really no science to this. Can you get enough out of a player in their first year or two in order to validate picking them at that highest spot in the first round, knowing that you might lose them to just like Mark Cordy left Ottawa to go back to the West coast in free agency, a couple of years down the road. And then your job becomes for a couple of years to convince that player that that spot is worthy of them staying because otherwise you are essentially going out to the club and, and throwing, you know, a couple of dollar bills down and saying, this is a short-term uh, reward for long-term drought uh, in the draft. And the best picks in the CFL draft are the ones that, you pick, they're productive, but they stay and they don't turn around and hurt you every time that you play them for somebody yep. else. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I agree. But they can't that. be too good, right? They can't right. be too good or else they're going to the NFL. <laughs> and CFL and uh, GMs, GMs will say stuff like that. And I go, okay, I, I get it. I want, I want to draft a guy for 15 years. Totally get it. But what does three years from now look like in the Canadian Football League? How long does the CBA go? Will he? Will one of them get a look from the states? Right. I mean, whoever you pick, uh, will will Liam Dobson sign in the USFL? And now the Bombers are out the number three pick in the draft. Right. There's just so much stuff that can happen. Maybe he falls in love with it. If you got a sense that he went, ah, oh, you know what? I don't want to play for you. I only want to play for boop boop boop. Fine. But you just you have to take to me. You have to take an incredibly talented kid and try your best to convince him that he wants to stay there for the long term. If the Bombers can do it with all those stars, go, hey, uh, you know what you you know what you need? More Grey Cups and less money. Boom. You hope that you can build that if you are La Police, if you are the gang, Sean Burke, if you are Mike Benavides, the gang in Ottawa. To me, you have to just kind of three years down the road. That's three years down the road's problem. Uh, I laughed when I saw the quote, just a sidetrack here on uh, on Liam Dobson when he signed in the USFL. And I saw the quote from Kyle Walters that said, it just because you know when you talk to Kyle, you understand kind of his cadence and his rhythm and the way that he speaks. And when I saw the quote, I just imagined him going, "Yeah, that one hurts." <laughs> I was like, yeah. "Yeah, that would hurt to to select somebody and have them not even land in your own league is certainly not uh, not what you were thinking when you took them." But um, next one for you here, I have got uh, Winnipeg running back Brit Johnny Augustine. Uh, is where I, too. Is it? Okay, yeah. <laughs> so in the reason, the reason I say this is that uh, if we're looking at breakout players and we are focused on somebody who is going to uh, take a, a leap to make you aware, Augustine has been productive when he has gotten love. And as we know in Winnipeg, God, it's hard to get love when you're working in a backfield alongside a kid from Winnipeg who gets drafted early in the second round in Brady Oliveira uh, and Andrew Harris. Because so much of what they have done since Augustine has been with the Bombers has gone through those guys. So 
for him to be essentially the number two, it also makes me very happy, DT, to go to the Bombers roster and to sort it based on position. And at running back, it goes Brady Oliveira, Johnny Augustine, Kyle Borsa. When I see those three, I'm just like, that is so cool. That's so great. Uh, but to have him as the number two, similar to what we're talking about with the Fletcher discussion, he might not get a billion touches, but I think it'll be more 50-50 than people realize. I don't think that they're planning on putting Oliveira in and saying, you are going to carry the ball X amount of times, and it's going to be 65 to 75% of our offense total. And Johnny is a track guy in his past. He went to the University of Guelph. He's got very mature mindset. I see videos of him now working with Rob Williams out there in BC, who's worked with uh, quarterbacks like uh, Michael O'Connor and, and Nathan Rourke and all sorts of guys. So he's working on his his balance and his agility, and he's always been an extremely focused individual. So um, I like his makeup. I like the opportunity that he has in front of him. And I don't think that it's a a done deal that Winnipeg just decides, Brady Oliveira, we're going to ride him into the ground. They've got a couple of talented young guys. I think they want to get them all on the roster. I think they're going to try to get them all some touches. So I, I think he'll be a name that by, by Labor Day, I would say this year, people think of him in a higher esteem than they do going into this year, if you don't know him. Because I think if you know him, you understand what he's about. There's not a reason why he can't be talked about like Andrew Harris. Mm -hmm. Like uh, like Jerome Messam went. I mean, Messam was a different case. That guy was just enormous, right? There's no reason why he can't be talked about the Canadian running back who, who leads the league in rushing. None whatsoever. Um, the, the tipping point for me I'd always had the, I'd always kind of subscribe to the uh, particular running backs don't matter, but I can't really show it in the Canadian Football League game. But Johnny Augustine pushed it over the top. 2019, Andrew Harris takes that two-game suspension. So Augustine has to play, has to start, gets to start, however you want to say it, the two games against the Riders. The Bombers offense did not miss a beat in that. He's making big plays. He's making tough plays. Yards after contact, and you go, Andrew Harris might be the best running back in the league. If not, he's number two. Johnny Augustine gained exactly as many yards on exactly as many touches as we would have thought. That's a great game. That's a good couple of games for Andrew Harris. No problem at all. And then, oh, by the way, Augustine, almost seven yards a carry in his career so far. There haven't been a ton of touches, but almost seven yards per carry in his career. Almost four yards after contact per carry in his career. You think you tackle him? You didn't tackle him. 92% of his carries, he gets yards after contact. That's Those numbers are better than Andrew Harris. Uh, I'm not saying he's better than Andrew Harris, but to me, just give him the ball. I didn't understand why. And this is me not being inside the Bomber organization. I didn't understand why it was Oliveira and not Augustine in 21 based on what we saw in 2019 when he got those two starts against a really tough riders defense he he ripped him up pretty good one win one loss little strevolution in both games but uh, i i johnny augustine was on my list uh, as as a guy who if he's not getting the touches I, I don't know what's i don't know what's holding it back because when he when he gets the ball be it in the pass game be it in the run game he produces so well yeah, absolutely. And uh, by the way, I can't wait this traveler gets to throw touchdown passes to Tyree Kill now. That's going to be great. Uh, just a couple of dolphins oh. hanging out down. What a wild NFL offseason, which I'm sure everybody is a little <laughs> stunned by. The, can you, uh, what would be the equivalent of Tyree Kill in the CFL getting tra I mean, it would be Brandon 
Banks in his prime getting traded in the offseason for five draft picks? Yeah, it probably it would have to be that level of guy, right? Um, Tyreek Hill is just he's so special. Great. Can you imagine? Can you imagine on the big field? How there's just guys that you go, ah, Mahomes to Hill with Kelsey on the big field, the Canadian Football League would just be incredible. I would oh, love hey, to, best of luck. I was gonna say I would love to watch Tyreek Hill just run like a crossing route. Just like line up in, in mm. the slot with a little bit of a waggle and you throw it to him on a crossing route and he catches it and it's Lucky Whitehead off to the races. Oh my gosh. Or yeah, if uh, Devontae Deadman style, like just, oh, hey, you know what? You're going to go back and score eight touchdowns on special teams this year. Yeah, that little three yard drag where the middle linebacker now has to chase him down. Like it's not even if he's even, he's leaving. If he's five yards behind, he's still leaving too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, Man, no. All, all right, so we both got Johnny Augustine on that. So I'll just jump back in with uh, with my fourth, which is uh, I'm actually going to Ottawa for this one as well. And I mentioned him a little bit earlier. I was trying not to tip my hand too much, but I don't know if this player is going to have a breakout season. This is more of a, I guess they're all projections, but a, a projection of interest for me. Mm. You've talked about the Ottawa receiving situation and how a Philpot can go in there and where they will slot in between the Darvin Adams and the Jalen Acklin and all the rest. Ryan Davis. Ryan Davis was, he was so interesting. And interesting is an overused adjective, but he was so interesting in 2021 because not a good team. He gets a ton of touches. And really, of all the receivers that they worked through their lineup, he was the one who stuck, who actually stayed in the lineup and actually got attention each game. And it felt like they changed the way in season that they used him. At first, it was just conventional. We're just going to throw you the ball. And then they realized how good of an athlete that he was. And they started to say, okay, jets, bubble screens, uh, quick screens. Okay, now we're going to pump and go you down the sideline. Now let's go a little wheel route. Now it's... And he mm-hmm. started to kind of carve out this this weird little productive, considering the context of the Red Blacks and what productive was, he was productive within their framework and he got a lot of looks last year. So I I was kind of wondering at the end of the red black season, what will be the holdover pieces from this train wreck that they deem to be worthy of giving an opportunity in 2022. And Ryan Davis is, I think he's that player for them on offense, especially at the skill positions. Trying to uh, just taking a look at how his season popped up. It's the occasional deep shot. Uh, at the line of scrimmage. Oh, yeah, there's a real stretch of toward the end of the season. But but the ability to to stretch one of those depth of target was about 10 yards downfield, so fairly short. Just looking at the receiving court, Ackland's got to start, right? So uh, Darvin is a traditional X, okay. Uh, R.J. Harris can probably... Uh, Ackland and B.J. Cunningham and R.J. Harris and Darvin Adams and Ryan Davis. One, two, three, you probably have to, you probably only get to run three of those guys. Uh, So I'll be curious to see what they do. Um, BJ, RJ, and and Darvin are more alike than they are like Ryan Davis. So I think he gives you a little, a little extra something in there, right? For the, for the reasons that you mentioned. So maybe it's Ackland, Ryan Davis, and somebody's got, I mean, one of those guys probably has to go in training camp. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's the opportunity for him. Uh, you have a, a Levi Noel and Nate Bahar on the inside. You then, uh, one of the Philpots is ripping things up from the Z position with Shaq Johnson on the outside. I think there's, I think there's room. It was, 
everything about Ottawa is so tough to judge, though, right? They had no quarterback. Like, Matt Nichols was not Matt Nichols this past season. Uh, and then Caleb Evans was just, what was his sack rate? 13, 14%. And then his uh, adjusted interception rate was probably 8, 9, 10%. Like, it was just, it was so troubled that I don't really have a feel for what Ryan Davis is. He was, uh, he, I mean, and a team in which, your three special teams players were your three best players. Is it's a weird spot to try to be working from and uh, inferring from. But I, I like the thought of I like the thought of more Ryan Davis in twenty twenty two. I hope he finds a spot, I, and I don't think it needs to be yeah. a consistent one. I just really think that it, it has to be something that he can he can earn the opportunity to get more touches as the season goes on and be the change of pace. And the thing I think that could be really underrated is he has the opportunity here to be a score zone threat. And I don't know what kind of incentives he's mm. got in his contract for scoring, but man, like if, if he plays a certain style, La Police is, is just going to put the most dangerous players on the field down in the, in the score zone, whether it's, as you say, BJ, RJ, uh, Jalen Ackland is going to stay on the field no matter what. But like, if you got to take Darvin Adams off the field, go with a different formation and use Ryan Davis to give you some speed flying around in between the hashes, I could totally see them going with that. So we will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see as that one shakes out. Yeah. Who, who among those is the multiple weapon that La Police had in Nick Dembski in Hamilton, pardon me, in Winnipeg, right? Who is the multiple weapon? The guy who can run it. I mean, that's to me, that's Davis. None of those other guys, I seem to fit the bill. They all have their own skill set. Darwin Adams is regularly the deepest targeted receiver in the Canadian Football League. BJ Cunningham is, is absolutely tough and, and a big play threat as well. But who's the who's the smaller multiple weapon speed guy for the? We were talking about Tyreek Hill. Who's running those drag routes for the Ottawa Redblacks? That that's would seem to be uh, Ryan Davis because none of the other names that they've signed in the in the off season uh, of American guys, I, none of them pop out to me, uh, particularly as somebody I know. So yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's room for Ryan Davis in that in that Lapalise offense. Absolutely, we shall see. All right, fifth and final for you, and I believe. You have another one off the board on me here. I do. I went to, I went defense in this one. And Love again, it. it's, it's a guy that I saw in person. He really popped off in, in a game against the riders. And, and then I watched him as the season went along and I was like, Oh my gosh, is this what's happening here? Is this, is this brand new to the Canadian football league guy who comes in late in the season or at least starts getting reps late in the season? Is this him for real? Uh, Edmonton quarterback Nafis Lyon. Just, ah, yes, you loved him. I remember this. Yes, yeah. He when uh, it was Shaq Evans didn't have the greatest season coming back from that broken leg, as as you'd expect. Uh, Lyon was in that boundary corner against Shaq in the game in Edmonton is the one I remember. And Cody Fajardo's trying to go deep to Shaq, and there's Nafis Lyon. Just here's Shaq, and here's Nafis Lyon, just right on him. Just I'm like, oh, that's tight coverage. T for tight coverage. He was all over everybody he played against, uh, excluding hitches and screens. Because what's what's a guy in off coverage going to do against that? Forty six percent completion rate against Nafis line. That's mm. fantastic. That's a real nice number. Deep balls. He tried them in deep balls. Two for eight. Drew did did draw one pass interference, but two for eight completions with two interceptions. One he made himself. One he batted up to Tremaine Washington. Uh, I just I watched that and I and I thought I I'm going to need some more of that in a, in a league where you can 
you can show pretty quick. I think Chris Jones, I don't know Chris Jones from Adam. I think he's going to enjoy uh, that kid on the boundary corner this coming season because he's made a ton of changes, but Nafi's line uh, lives on there. I Defensive stats like interceptions and stuff are so random in spots. You're not going to say, hey, he's going to have nine interceptions to be defensive player of the year. But if you're in the 50% range completion percentage against or even lower, you've killed it. And that's what Nafis Lyon did in limited action in 2021. That is a great one as well. I love that. So DT's list rounded out for you here is going to be Boom Guachman, BC, Walter Fletcher, Edmonton, a Red Blacks Philpot, which I'm so, yeah, whichever I'm so, one. so angry you stole that one from me. That was a great idea I had, and you took it. Uh, running back, Johnny Augustine in Winnipeg, and Nafis Lyon out in Edmonton as a defensive back. Uh, my list, Tim White, Mark Cordy, Johnny Augustine, Ryan Davis, and my fifth and final, this is going to be a theme, I think, until proven otherwise. Uh, I, Dane I'm, Evans! I'm going is it to Dane go, Evans? It's a quarterback. Nathan Rourke oh. of the BC Lions uh, is where I'm going to go with this. And the reason I'm going Nathan Rourke from the BC Lions is that I think they are going to understand his limitations. And I think they are going to understand his strengths. And the BC Lions' success on offense will be determined by their ability to maximize his strengths and to limit the damage by any of his quote-unquote limitations, if you'd like to call it that. So if you have your entire season, and this really comes down to how good of a job can that coaching staff do, if your season, if your franchise, if Amar Doman buying in and becoming this influential member of the uh, lower mainland and bringing back the pride in the BC Lions and all the rest, I hope that they realize you can't do any of that unless you give your quarterback the best opportunity possible to be successful. And so you've mm-hmm. got, you've got to tailor absolutely everything to him so he can have success. I love the zip that he throws with. I love the, the running style. I think that he could be, and I, I, I you've probably said this a billion different times and I, I stutter even trying to get it out because I don't want to put this pressure on him because I think it's unfair, but Russ Jackson in his early days in Ottawa in the late 50s, early 60s, was a dual-threat quarterback who ran the option when he was in university. Obviously, different time, 50-plus, 60 years ago. But if you want a dual-threat, exciting Canadian quarterback that is going to be marketed around your team but is also going to have the physical skill set to be trusted with your offense, Rourke is that guy. And I think a lot of people right now, and again, it's we've talked about where BC likely projects going into the season, and we're a little, little lukewarm on that. But I think a lot of people are looking at him and saying, well, Riley retired, and he was the guy that was in place, and they didn't want to make a huge free agency move and go and try and get somebody splashy that's a veteran that's been around the league. They didn't want to go with the Trevor Harris route. They didn't. I'm here to tell you, I've spoken to people in and around BC from their team, and they said, two things that that jumped out to me that said this guy is going to be thought of in a higher esteem by the end of this year than you thought going in. The first is if he was American, we'd still want him to be starter. This isn't a Canadian thing. This isn't a marketing thing. This isn't coming from the business side of, Hey, go get us somebody that we can sell, sell tickets around. They like Mm -hmm. him as a player. They did going into the draft and they trust him. The second thing is they really think that he gives them something that many quarterbacks in this league don't in that balance of run and pass. And the scrambling ability, I know this from playing and you know this from, from being able to study the game so much, CT, is as quarterbacks get more comfortable in their system, 
they become smarter and smarter about when and where to take off. And he is going to get more comfortable in this system and understand the openings. He's going to start processing defenses at a higher level. To me, this is if Andrew Buckley was given the starting job in Calgary with a full offseason and they built everything that they were doing around Andrew Buckley, I'd be having the same mm. conversation because I just think that these guys that have this much raw talent and very rarely gets utilized or gets given the opportunity. Rourke is going to get given the opportunity and it's going to be sink or swim. I just hope that they build something around him that really opens his game up and plays an exciting style of CFL football. Cause I see it. I do like from the little tidbits here and there and the things he's surrounded by at the offensive skill positions. I see it. I can imagine the Lions being productive and very fun on offense and him being not necessarily the league's best quarterback, but let's say a top half guy. If he could be yeah. somewhere somewhere in that top half, he could be six five four in that range of the way you think of quarterbacks. Uh, I think that, that that's a real possibility based on what I've seen. There are currently, in my book, only two, two quarterbacks who are designed running threats in the Acadian Football League right now. Cody Fajardo is number one. Jeremiah Masoli is number two. Uh, Vernon Adams runs well, but he runs in the scramble game. They, they ran the design runs only eight times this past season. They did, did well in them, but if you're going to run the football, hey, William Stanback, go, go crush seven people and we'll be good. So there, there's two quarterbacks in the design run game of the Canadian Football League. And I mean, minimum two design carries a game for that guy. RPOs all over the place. Uh, Rider fans know what I'm talking about. When, when they see when the offense wasn't going, oh, it's second and 19. Well, somehow Cody Fajardo scrambled for 21 yards, and it's a first down and saved them from a disaster. There is so much value in that. That Rourke, I don't know what he's going to be as a passer. His rookie numbers were rookie numbers, mm -hmm. uh, 81% passer rate, 81 passer rating when not under pressure this past season. Not great, but he's a rookie, so we'll see what, what happens. He played the very first game of the season. Like that, uh, you kind of take that, and I, I want to just throw that out and see what year number two is. But because he has this run element that they need to use it in the design game, he can use it in the scramble game. His floor is just higher immediately. He's got a floor, you know, uh, a, a Trevor Harris type quarterback, and not Harris specifically because he's really good, but a Trevor Harris type quarterback has a low floor because ah, he can move, but he's not going to punish you with that. Oh, everybody, everybody's in man and gone down the field. Well, Nathan takes off uh, because no one got home and he's got 25 yards before anybody turns their head, right? You absolutely have to harness that. And oh, by the way, personnel-wise, they've taken advantage of every opportunity that an $85,000 quarterback presents, right? Oh, here's all the receivers you're going to need. Here is the defense looks ridiculous. Okay, ridiculous a little far. The defense looks ridiculous yes. in, in BC this season. So here's the ball back, Nathan. We got you to it out. Have at her. Um, I, I, I'm probably among people who I talk to, uh, I'm probably, I'm way more wait and see on Nathan Rourke, but man, if he is even average, he is going to, he's, he's going to get serious. He's going to be the star of the league. If he's even average, honestly, because that BC team will be great, and he's a Canadian quarterback. We love that. He's a running quarterback. We love that. And if they win, we love that the most. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I think 
I want to drill home on him and there'll be so much discussion around him, the same as there will be with Trey Ford throughout the combine and draft season here in the spring. And, and whenever he maybe lands in a CFL camp, if he does end up landing in a CFL camp, these are great discussions to have about Canadians. And it'll always be this um, dilemma of, are we talking about him because he's Canadian or are we talking about him because of who he is? And for me, my rule is always, I only talk about them if they're worthy of talking about. If they happen to be Canadian, that's fun. That, that adds another layer to the conversation, but that's not, that's not the kindling. That's not why I started the fire. And when I see Nathan Rourke in person, what always jumps out to me is that people, I think, have this perception of, well, he's just this little white Canadian quarterback that's beloved because he fits the narrative that we like to build around the game and the things that we appreciate about whatever. Then I see him in person. Yeah, he's only 6'2", 210. But he's, he's, the way he's built... Good for here. But yeah, but the way he's built is like, it's the shoulders. It's the build. He's got a little bit of chest to him. He carries himself. He's very confident. He does media well. He has this maturity about his his person that I think earns him respect in the huddle beyond his years. And that's one of those intangible things that I just think when he steps into the huddle in training camp this year, Lucky Whitehead and Brian Burnham would not have re-signed in BC if they thought the trigger man for us out here is trash. They went back because they've already seen what he can do in practice. They talk to him, they understand what he's about. So they re-sign. And to me, that vote of confidence, like, yeah, there's a lot of other things that play into that of comfort and wanting to be a long time line for Burnham and all the rest. But I don't think that they would come back knowing that their team is going to have another awful year. We're going to be grinding it out in the bottom of the division they believe in him. And if those guys that are closer to him than I could ever be and spend more time with him than I ever will decide to resign and believe in him, that's good enough for me. So that's where I land on why I give him legitimacy watching from afar. But uh, that is uh, it for us this week. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say one, one final one uh, is lucky Whitehead's the perfect guy to have. I think for, for a guy like Nathan Rourke, if you don't want to let Nathan Rip the ball down the field. Michael Riley stall, 11 yards, average depth of target. If you want to keep it short and conservative. Oh, hey, by the way, Lucky Whitehead turns hitch screens into 75-yard touchdowns, right? Perfect. Perfect. Because we're not, we're just going to know, hey, hey, Nathan Rourke threw 400 yards and four touchdowns today. We're not going to ask you that 440 of those yards were after the catch, right? We're not going to care. That's, that's, they've done everything to, to give him the spot. Offensive line, we'll see, we'll see, because that's been a trouble spot. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on Team Rourke. I just, I, I need to see it first. Yeah, I, I love the thought of that, though. I love the thought of of him being good and, and pop making that BC team pop. Week one of, as you say, 2021. DT's calling the games on radio out there in Ryderville, and it's a long touchdown down the left sideline to Lucky Whitehead from, from, from Nathan Rourke, and it's a touchdown in the fourth quarter on a corner route, on a beautifully thrown ball, on a great drive as well by Nathan Rourke. Threw a dig route into the left-hand side in that drive that I remember well. Uh, He shows you some of these parts of his game, and it does make you wonder, like you're saying with the rookie year numbers, okay, maybe take the numbers out. Maybe it's more eye test. For me, the eye test is not, he's he's unquestioned. He's going to be an all-star in the league best, but it is, oh, he can hang. And then sometimes he makes throws, he goes, oh, he can more than hang. And that's, that's where the... Uh, the energy from me comes from to talk about him in, in all of this discussion. Yeah. 
So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it, it all plays out. But we will put out uh, all of the top five and put it up on our social media at CF Perspective on Instagram and Twitter. You guys can have your say there. Who are some players that you are thinking of that could take a real step forward in the 2022 CFL season? Uh, I am in Toronto for the CFL Combine. Reminder, CFL.ca coming up this weekend. We've got live coverage for you. Uh, I'm going to be working with some special guests. going to have some CFL players wandering through and hopping on the microphone with me throughout the weekend. And uh, I'm going to try to figure out how to say all of the global names correctly. Because last year on this podcast, I looked at a national player by the name of Luther Hakanavanu, and I was shamed uh, because DT crushed it. And I was terrified of the name. But as the season went on, as you can tell, I became more and more and more comfortable with it. Uh, my goal is to sit in this hotel as we're recording on Wednesday afternoon until Saturday at 4 p.m. when the bench press begins, 4 p.m. Eastern, just reciting all of the global names so I can say them correctly because I want to do right by these guys, but make sure that you're tuning in and seeing the next generation of Canadian and uh, and beyond stars, the global stars that are here at the Combine as well. The Diego Avendano, Andres Espinosa, Ryan Gomez, Rodion Henrique. Uh, I want you, you, I'm pretty sure you, Albert Jackson. you skipped wow. over one. I'm pretty sure that is in the first four or five names. That is a, I would like to buy a vowel uh, name. Uh, oh, Otavio Ori. Oh man. There's some, there are some. Str- <laughs> Vilio Limpinen, Yannick Mayer, the mayor with Simeon Oconto Wariso. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Noor yeah. Edin Sidnali. That's a, that's very, that seems very French. Oh man, uh, Osvaldo Zuma La Caregui. Oh boy, that's the one. From Dinos de Saltillo in Mexico. That was the one that was terrifying me. That was like, oh, okay, yeah, I hope that I can get this one because it's about thirteen letters in that, and it was just intimidating <laughs> to look at in the first place. But uh, I love it. I love it. I love got... the Global Combine. We we've got starters. At, we got starters at uh, tackle last season. All the yeah. kickers are in. Like there's talent out there. Uh, I'm still rooting for the little running back who, little South African running back who went to Calgary. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited for Combine Week, brother. And for people that don't understand how the Combine is going to work, it's not Global Combine over mm. here, National Combine over here. They are going by number and position. So it's, um, you know, Trey Ford is wearing jersey number one. He does his testing. Jersey number two is global running back. Jersey number three is global running back. Jersey number four, five, and six are Canadian running backs that are for the national draft. And we're just ringing through them. So it's, you'll see globals mixed in with nationals. You'll see one-on-ones when they put the pads on, uh, when we're live streaming on Sunday that are global versus global, global versus national, national versus national. It's, it's going to be all over the place and it's football. In March, which if you're a CFL fan, I hope that you appreciate the opportunity to, to view all of that. So looking forward to bringing that to you. And, uh, and we hope that you tune in because the good people at CFL do put a lot of work into putting that event, uh, this event on for you. Uh, check out Fox 40 gear products to make your combine run smoothly. CFL did. Uh, shop whistles, stopwatches, ball pumps, and more. Fox40shop.com. Use the code CFP15 at checkout for 15% off of your order. Enjoy your well-earned vacation, sir. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. We'll